Uh, just a couple of things to get started. First of all, uh, you know, Becky and I, uh, we don't really, you know, we don't see ourselves as, as ministers. We just see ourselves as people. And, and what we do is what we love to do. You know what I'm saying? And so what we do flows out of who we are. You don't put on a special hat or something, you know, when you come in. If you're around us during the day or during the week, what you see is what you get. And I think that's part of, of uh, the reality of, of who God is in your life. He's not something we put on and we take off. He has to be your everything, every, every part of your life. And how many of you know that life is a journey? Okay, life is a journey. And so is your married life. Your married life is a journey. And uh, when, when Dr. Lau asked us, Pastor Lau asked us to come and share on this, we're thinking, okay. We'll be glad to share our ups and our downs, <laughs> our, some of our good and, and a little bit of our bad. You know, you don't want to you don't want to share too much. You know, you don't want to give too much information out there. But uh, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun uh, in our in our married life. We have a we have a great time. But we're just like you guys. We have challenges. And uh, when we were pastoring there at the church, and by the way, our kids are doing great. Uh, we now have six grandchildren. And our baby, Allison, is uh, not a baby anymore. She's been married to over two and a half years. And they have a, a little boy, 11 weeks old. His name is Judah David. And uh, he's just an awesome little man. He looks just like his daddy. And which uh, DNA is a powerful thing. You know that genetics are just, they're incredible. And, uh, you know, I vowed when I was a kid, I'd never look like my daddy. And guess what? I'm a carbon copy of my father. So, uh it's just the way things are. But uh, whenever we were pastoring and people would come and say, Pastor Joe, we're struggling in, in an area of our, of our marriage or whatever. And uh, I would, the uh, first thing I would tell them, and I'm going to share this with you guys. We're not certified counselors or anything like that. We're ministers of the gospel. And so we're not here to fix you. We're here to share with you what the Lord has dropped in our heart and things that we have gone through. And uh, if it helps, fantastic. Uh, I don't make a great pastor for one reason. And that is this. When people come and say, Pastor Joe, what do I do? What do I do? And then you share with them what the word has to say. And they go and they're gone two or three weeks. And they come back, Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe. And I go, well, did you do the last thing I told you to do? And they go, well, no. I go, then we have nothing to talk about. Go back and do the things I told you to do. So it's kind of like mom and dad, you know, did you do what I told you to do? Well, no. Well, then go back and do what, it, you know, it's that kind of thing. But the word of God is so powerful. And uh, it has to be, you know, for, for Becky and I, the word of God is so precious. And, and it's not rules and regulations. And then on the other side of it, grace is not greasy grace to do whatever you want to do. Grace is receiving what we didn't deserve. Come on now. And it covers us whenever we mess up. And that's why I said, you know, life is a journey and marriage is a journey. You can pass those out. But we have our, our top 10 uh, things that we've learned uh, in our 38, nearly 39 years of marriage. Anybody been married longer than 39 years? No, I'm serious. Anyone? Who's been married 30 years? Pastor Dr. Lau. Lau has 25. 
Hey, all right. 20 years. A lot of you. Come on. Praise the Lord. 15. Strong marriages. Come on. 10. Yeah, more of you. Five. Back in the Brian back. back there. Under five years. Under five years. Hey, awesome. How many? <laughs> hey, you're in you trouble know already. That, <laughs> you're no I'm kidding. One, two, three. Who's been married under a year? Right. Oh, the newbies. The newbies. Newbies. <laughs> Y'all still trying to figure out who's sleeping next to you. I'm, I'm just kidding. Who is that but person? Who is that person? <laughs> All right, let's get started because I know they've got a busy day probably planned out. We don't want to take all of your time, but just um, we've got some foundational scriptures there. You can see for yourself uh, uh, the scriptures in Ephesians, which we believe are just foundational for any marriage. Let's just uh, let's look at that uh, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Did you want to read them? I will pick that up in another. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Look at this. For this reason, a man should leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And uh, we'll talk on there's the a one lot of neat things there, that. but that's our foundational scripture. And you can take that and read that and study that. Let me, I have two comments. Uh, wives submit to your own husbands. And there's two direct commands in this scripture. One is to wives. One is to husbands. Wives submit to your own husbands is to the Lord. And then husbands love your wives. And we were talking about at breakfast this morning. I said, you know, I suppose Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because uh, for wives, you know, to to continually come under someone in terms of submission, probably for our flesh is not the easiest thing to do. To constantly submit your heart, submit your ways, submit, you know, it, that's not for our flesh. That's probably not the easiest thing to do. And then for husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church, you know, I think for husbands, and I'm, I'm not going to be rude here, but I'm just saying for men to love their wives above themselves is a big deal. And I think, you know, because you got you to gotta stop and say, you know, men, guys, guys have no, I think guys have no problem loving themselves. I, I'm really serious. I think guys, it's very natural for you to love yourself. I think women, we're probably, we don't love ourselves quite as much. And that's why we need the affirmation. We second guess ourselves. We, you know, we constantly, you know, we're always about nurturing. So we're looking after others. So we don't really love ourselves. I think these are two commands. The yeah. tough one for the women is to, to come under, to come under the safety uh, of, of coming under someone. And for men, it would be to love someone greater than yourself. I think, <laughs> and, and, I think with Pastor Becky, one of the things that we have, we have learned is uh, in a marriage, there, 
trust is the most precious commodity is, is that you have in your marriage is trust. And, uh, I mean, we have had the privilege of traveling to many different countries around the world. And, and there are different uh, cultures to where the man is very dominant, okay, domineering over the wife. And, and the things that I have learned is whenever you look at how Adam and Eve were created in the garden, the wife was not, she didn't, she wasn't created from Adam's foot, underneath Adam's foot, domineering. But she came from Adam's side. And as we walk together in covenant, uh, together as husband and wife, and trust is built in that marriage, uh, for me, I'm a visionary, okay? And, and my wife is too, but I'm a visionary. I'm the one who, who I, you know, maybe that's my makeup. I'm always, I'm always pushing. You know, I'll go that extra mile. And I have to be careful that whenever she's with me, she's with me at my side, I can, run, running along behind I, I can run off and leave her. Okay, I can go an extra three hours in the day. She cannot go. I'm just being honest. Now, maybe your wife is different. Maybe you're the passive one and she'll just run off and leave you. But as a, as a whole, I have learned to trust her because there are times whenever I'm so focused vision. on the vision that my emotion is not there. I'm not thinking about others around me and all of that. It's, it's all about, you know, this this conquest. Okay, maybe that's the best way to put it. And I've learned that there are times whenever, and I could give examples, and we could be here till Jesus comes with examples. But there have been times whenever I wanted something, okay, and it, would, and it had an effect on all of our whole household, okay, that the Lord spoke to her and said, you know, are you sure is this what we need to do and all that? But in my conquest, I'm going, but that's what I want, okay? And ultimately, I had to pay by fit financially and other ways because I did not listen. Okay. So in, in learning to follow and trust and submit and and all of those, it's not being domineering, but it really is. She will submit as long as she can trust you. Hello. All of those things work together. And then guys, here's the thing that I wanted to drop. Let me say one more thing and then you can go. Here's the other thing. No, no, no. Here's the other thing. Before she was your wife, she was God's daughter. You might want to put that down. Before she was your wife, she was God's daughter. And so God has entrusted her to you. So be careful in our walking and conquest and all of that. Just remember, before she was your wife, she was God's daughter. That's all I wanted to say. And and I just follow up and then we'll get into the top ten. Now, this is our introduction. (laughs) Follow up is just submission is not having a voice. That's not submission. Because I have a voice. She uses it. And I use it. So I'm not saying submission is not having a voice, but submission is once I've voiced my thought and my opinion and how I feel about something, then I submit that to him and say, ultimately, you will stand before God and give an account for this family. So it's all yours, right? So that, that's, I think, where the submission plays in. It's not that you don't have a voice, girls. You do have a voice. I do believe that you see things that maybe he won't see. You see things, feel things, know things by the Spirit, because we're very much emotions and Spirit-driven. And how you present that, you know, to them is very, very important. I've even learned how my voice sounds is very important. But at the end of the day, once I say, hey, honey, I really feel strong about this, you know, then, then I leave that 
And I go, okay, ultimately, you're, you'll stand before the Lord. You'll give an account for this family. And I'm going to go with what, because there's a protection there, girls. There's a protection. There's a safety in the fact that you did what the Bible said. You had a feeling. You expressed it. You thought this is the way we should go. But at the end of the day, you submit that to him and whatever he's leading. And God, there's protection for you, even if he gets it wrong. Even if he gets it wrong. Because you did what the Bible required of you as a wife. Um, that there's protection for you and there's protection for your family. And if he gets it right, there's blessing for you and blessing for your family. So either way, it's a win-win uh, as you learn to submit your heart and your thoughts uh, in that way. You know, trust, trust is earned. Trust is earned and then honor is given. Okay? Trust is earned first. All right, let's get started. Top 10. And these are just thoughts. These are not the only ones out there. Anytime you have a question or a thought, this is not just, just say, hey, us teaching. If you have something, just go ahead and raise your hand. And as soon as we can find a stopping place, we'll acknowledge you. And you ask your question and we'll Absolutely. give it some thought. We may have right answers or we may just have a little discussion time. So this is Amen. not just, just us, okay? Okay, number one, marriage is made up of two imperfect people. Who bring their baggage when they move in? There are no perfect marriages. You make uh, you may uh, may look at culture and media and think others have it better, but that's not the case. Marriage is a covenant relationship. It should be a picture of our relationship with Christ. Uh, in other words, when we walk together here in marriage, the only perfect person that ever lived was who? Jesus Christ. Now, does He see us perfect through the blood of Christ? Absolutely. Okay. That is our position in him. But we live in a fallen world and uh, we have all types of things that come against us, challenges, attacks, but also even the things of the world. Yeah. The spirit, okay. the spirit's been renewed in us is, but the flesh Amen. deals, you know, with things according at times to, you know, the, the surroundings. And so we respond the flesh responds at times, although the spirit's been renewed. So no right. perfect one. So when you come into this union or you come into this, this covenant, uh, my notes here, some say marriage is 50-50. Anybody ever heard that? Well, marriage is 50-50, but that's not true. Marriage for each one in that covenant for husband and wife is 100% give and 100% take. It's all in. You got to be all in. It's all in. I'm not a gambler. Okay. I've never bought one of those, uh, <laughs> Uh, lottery tickets, but but really and truly, it's all in. We're all in, okay, hundred percent, all right. And then uh, our married our married life, uh, like our personal life, has to be lived in Christ Jesus. Okay, everything that we do has to have Him at the focus uh, of everything that we do. Okay, and, and the Bible has to be the plumb line. Okay, you know, if you're reading after particular authors that say do this. That's not a place of agreement for you guys. If you can't, if you don't come to the fact that the Bible is the plumb line, and we both are going to submit ourselves to the Word of God, Amen. if that's not the plumb, you got to have a you got to have a standard. You got to have a plumb line that you both come in agreement with. And the Bible for us is the absolute standard. Right. It is the Word. Amen. It is the non-negotiable. And if the Bible says it. We're going to do it. So please have a standard and please let it be the word and of God. And even the people that we listen to and those counselors or books that we would read about marriage and different things, they always have to come back to what the word of God has to say, not just someone's idea. Okay. Everything we're sharing with you today, again, I go back to it. We're not, we're not certified counselors. We're just going to share with you what the word of God has to say and things that we have, uh, mistakes that we have made. 
And then we've walked through those, okay? And then here's the other thing. Our married uh, life is just like our, our uh, life with Christ Jesus. It's a, it's a covenant. I cut covenant with Jesus Christ whenever I gave him my life as a young boy, okay? I received the blood of Christ, what he did on the cross, and, and what took place at the foot of the cross. And so when we get married, uh, one of the things we can talk about here that you can't really talk about with teenagers is one of the reasons why even as, as adults, you don't need to be in multiple uh, relationships, uh, sleeping with people and things like that is because every time you make love to somebody, you're cutting a covenant. Hello. That's why then when you get married, there's all these other thoughts about all these other things because a part of you, these... Uh, 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 Soul ties are connected. That's why, uh, you know, adultery and things like that. Can the Lord forgive us? Absolutely. But when we get involved in things like that or, or these soul ties with other uh, people of the opposite sex, that trust factor is so key in, in, a, in a marriage uh, throughout the years because when, when that trust begins to break down, uh, it's real easy for the enemy to come in with, with all kinds of thoughts and things like that. And then it's just hard to walk uh, in, in some things. So anyway, number two. All right. There are a lot any, of things Any thoughts on that before we move on on number one? Anybody want to make comments or in your own life, you know, any experiences? If not, we'll move on. We'll move on. Number two. This is something I learned early on. I think it was like uh, just the next day after I said... The easiest thing you'll ever do is say, I do. The becoming one part can be a bit painful sometimes. Let me tell you why becoming one is a bit painful. Because there are many. There are many reasons, but I'll tell you why becoming one is a bit painful. painful. Because when flesh burns, it hurts. And when you come into a covenant relationship, the flesh has to give way many times. And sometimes that's painful. What do you mean? I was raised a particular way. And I was raised a particular way. And he was raised a particular way. And for us to become one was difficult in the early stages because I brought all of the things that I thought were right and I saw the way it was done and it was the way it was done. I'll give you a case in point. My family, when they had arguments, they just went to their own corner Nobody said anything for about three weeks. It just was like a death quiet in the house. Nobody just, it was just, they were mad at one another and that was it. And nobody talked for three weeks at least. And then as they would kind of finally just, I guess, forget about it and go on with life, they'd go on. They never talked about it. They just, it's like it never happened. This family. Oh no. This family. Lord, help me, Jesus. They sing loud. They talk loud. They discuss loud. They fight loud. Everything on the table in front of God and everybody. But at the end of the day, all done. They hug and kiss and make up. And tomorrow, they will not remember what it was they fought about. So when I came in, My past, my thought was, okay, he's not going to talk to me that way. I'm just going to, and one day. I'll say a word. Shortly after. Three days. Shortly after we were married. He doesn't remember this, but I'm going to tell you how I remember it. 
I was going to do the... I'm sure it's been embellished. <laughs> I was going to do the cold shoulder thing. And he grabbed me by the shoulders and he turned me around and he looked at me with those steely blue eyes. And he got me right here and I looked into my eyes. You did. You got my shirt. Okay. You grabbed me and my eyes and you said... I don't care how your parents did it. We're not going to do that. We're not going to be mad at each other for days. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get it out on the table. And then we're going on. Okay? And I just burst into tears. You know. So I'm saying becoming one is a process. I mean, and the, the, that issue when we first married, when we were first married, it, we don't even... That's not even on the top five list anymore of how to, how to communicate because we just know we're together all the time. We're one another's best friends. We just better how to figure out how to talk about it and get it all out and go on because we're with people all the time who are demanding, you know, our time and our love and our ministry. And we can't afford to go to our corners and be away from one another two or three weeks at a time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So early on, that becoming one, we hit it head on. And through the years, we've just navigated through until we've you know, kind of figured it out. One of the things that helped us, and, and we traveled with my mom and my dad and all of my brothers and sisters. So as we got married, we continued to work together. And dad made a statement. He said this. He said, now here's the deal about it. We may have our disagreements. But he said, before our feet touch the platform, you're going to have to deal with that somehow or another. Because we cannot bring our stuff in front of the people. He said, you cannot have that. The people don't deserve your stuff. He said, you have to learn how to deal with that. And he said, honestly deal with it. Not just squelch it. Not just, you know, say I'm not going to be mad for 10 minutes. But he said, you have to internally deal with that in your spirit, man. And so we put down here underneath 2 Ephesians 5.31 there that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and, and join his, to his wife. One of the things that we had to work through was when we first got married, we had five acres and we had our houses were all on that five acres. So in the middle of the night, my dad would come walking across and knocking on my door and I've been married six months and, and, and I'm in there with my lovely wife and I hear the door knocking. Finally, I told dad, I said, dad, come on. I'm not going to answer the door next time you do that. Because I said, I have my own family now. And so there are a lot of times that people, uh, uh, you call mama when things happen. You're going to, you know, you want to get the parents involved in this. There is a part of you learning to live and find your own, which is headed to number three here. Okay. Uh, We have to find that place of agreement. And I think the thing that my wife and I realized most about our fights, okay? Now, whenever, you know, I'm 60 years old, nearly 61, and uh, uh, I've lost a lot of my testosterone, okay? So I'm on the other side to where I'm not quite as fiery and, and uh, I guess trying to prove whatever, whatever. It's just that I've learned to, to deal with things differently now. Uh, you know, just let her win if she wants to win. <laughs> And those guys, no, she knows better than that. But, but we, the thing that we want more than anything else is we want that place of agreement. That's number three. If you haven't, we want that. that place of agreement because with us ministering together, if there is tension and there is, there is this, uh, animosity and all kinds of stuff that's going on, this strife, uh, 
that's happening, then it's real hard for the Lord to do what he wants to do. And then also it's hard for us to hear what we need to hear in doing what God's called us to do. Now, ours happens to be ministry and, and education and all of those things, okay? And whenever you are believing God for finances, for health, for wisdom, for all of those things, and you've got all this other stuff going on, it's almost impossible. The enemy can take that and he can just blow it up and all kinds of stuff be going on behind the scenes. So number three for us is when you fight, fight and I just said fight. You call it what you want. When you have your disagreement, you don't want to or be discussions. politically correct, whatever you want. <laughs> but ours sometimes feels like a fight, okay, because in the, in the uh, realm of the spirit, it's a it's fight. It's a war. Okay, it's a war. Paul called it a war. Paul called it a war. So in the midst of that, find that place place of agreement. agreement. Okay, Mm -hmm. go ahead and read this. Strong marriages, find a place of agreement with an honor for each other in the art of disagreeing. Setting boundaries in discussions is a good thing. Don't go to bed angry and why? Because this is a scriptural premise. It's it's not because me, because I don't want to hurt my wife or whatever. But the Bible says there in Ephesians 531, uh, I mean, Ephesians 426, don't sin and let anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And that's one of the things that we have made a practice in our marriage. I don't care if she goes to bed and she is quiet. I know something's up. Because normally the first thing my wife does when she gets in bed is she comes and she snuggles up and lays her head on my shoulder and we might watch a little bit of the news or whatever or we turn off the TV and we talk a little bit, but she does not turn her back to me. If we go to bed and she gets in bed and she turns her back to me or she doesn't say anything or she doesn't lay her head on my shoulder, something is up. (laughs) I'm not a brain. I'm not a neurosurgeon. (laughs) But I got enough sense to know she's not happy. So I, I go, okay, what's happening? What's up? What did I do? <laughs> you know, what, what's, what's going on? And then she'll, you know, sometimes she'll talk. That's very rare. But it takes a while. I'm not going to go to sleep till I, she's going to at least say, I'm upset. I'll talk to you in the morning or something. At least she acknowledges. We know where we are. We're not just going to go to bed with everything just quiet, silent. Go the other way. That uh, that idea of setting boundaries in discussions, uh, one of the boundaries is we don't go to bed. We try not to go to bed angry. Right. I don't know what the boundaries in you you, you guys are. I, I'm going to tell you that when we were a young couple, he was a, I hate to say it, I'm, a, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but I'll just say he talks loud, okay? I'm not going to say a screamer, but he has this big woofer in here, and when he sings loud, he can talk just as loud. So... I don't do well when he talks loud. So he's the talk loud person and I'm the crier. Okay. So when he talks loud, it accomplishes nothing because then I'm crying. And neither one of those really fix anything. Okay. So we kind of had to early on in the marriage, we had to say, okay, you don't talk loud and I'm going to hold my emotions in check. That was a boundary. I'm going to hold my emotions in check was a boundary for me. He's going to bring the volume level down. That was a boundary for him. So these are things about disagreement. I'm not saying you're not ever going to have, you know, fantasy marriages, you would never have a disagreement or an argument or a fight. But that ain't true. That ain't true. The process of becoming one, that flesh is going to hit up against, you know, one another periodically. So the fact is, how are you going to do it? Before you get into the fight, 
You just need to understand you're not going to scream, I'm not going to cry, and we're not going to go to bed mad. So we're going to work this thing out, all right? So those are boundaries that we just kind of through the years said these are areas that we want to, because when we get into it, you're not thinking, and you just have to, you have to let the foundations uh, and the boundaries lock in and then, and then discuss. So, any, any thoughts or any comments concerning that so far? Anyone? So sometimes these, the, when we are establishing these boundaries, uh, we look to our, obviously uh, to our parents. Uh, but sometimes their situation obviously differ from ours, at least. How do you, how do you move past that point of, okay, uh, this is this should be ours, and what we learn from our parents, we need to set that aside. And sometimes that's a little bit uh, sticky because we've learned that. It's 20, a learned. It's years. a learned behavior. Learned uh, it is a learned response, yeah, especially if your parents were non-believers. Okay, especially if the parents were non-believers. Okay, and for me, on the other side, my parents uh, were believers. Okay. But uh, they had ways they handled things. My, my, it leads us to number four, okay, which is, which is our go-to all the time. When I grew up, my dad was a believer, but he was not a spirit-led, spirit-filled believer. He, he, that's probably not fair. He was led by the spirit the best way he knew how, okay? But... Whenever my dad and, and our family in October 30th, 1985, all of our family within, I would say, 30 days received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking other tongues. And you can call that whatever. I believe the Holy Spirit comes into your life when you get saved to lead you and guide you. But that empowering of the Holy Spirit, that understanding, that the release of the working of the Holy Spirit in our life and, and, and the outworking of tongues in our life okay that, that radically changed that us, changed Pastor. the whole way our whole family did I got a new father when that happened to my dad my dad was was a preacher but he was uh if if I I wouldn't say he was violent he wasn't violent but but very reactionary though that was probably the best way if something upset him he would it would trigger him and he would do physical things like one day I said something, I don't remember what it was, but he slammed his fist on the table. He caught the, the edge of the plate, threw it up, and we had tuna fish all over the ceiling, you know. And one day he got upset, and he just turned and like he was kicking the air, but he hit the door and put a foot through the door. Now, he wouldn't touch my mom. He never, nothing like that. But, I mean, my dad was one of those, you know, he was an athlete and just that, that military. military. And, I mean, he was just one of those kind of guys. But the day my dad received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I got a new dad. And the day my husband received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I got a new husband. So I'm going to tell you that our marriage prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit was was a a tough go. But once we realized that there was a power on the earth through the Holy Spirit to help us be more than what we had been then it opened our eyes to the possibility of how we could do things different. It, it brought us to the place to where there can be that, that place of agreement. Now, a play, the place of agreement is not just saying, okay, you win. And then you turn around and go, this is not going to work. 
This is not going to work. It's not giving us. It's, it's not, not giving, giving an assent. It's not giving assent to their way of doing things or whatever. But 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 what happens is it's like I have I have a way I think we should go. I have I have this thing that I feel in my heart. This is what we should do because of my background. But then on the other hand, I have a praying wife who is probably a little bit more even keel, not quite as emotional in some aspects. You know, guys say, well, my wife, the, the women, they're just all real emotional. Okay, okay. Now, let's, 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 let's watch you whenever the, you know, Seahawks play or, or, or the Mariners play. We'll find out who's emotional. Okay? But we are, in our own world, we get very passionate about that. Okay? So, because of the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can come to a place of agreement that Becky says, okay, I'm just going to tell you, this is in my heart what I'm feeling concerning these things. And, and my testimony in this is in 2011, whenever our ministry began to transition and we're on the other side of all of our kids now being grown, uh, we, we served together in ministry for 10, 12 years together. And then uh, our kids grew up and uh, because of in ministry, in ministry, we, our kids grew up in ministry, serving with us in ministry, and we were be, ten years in Austin. Ten years, and we're still in Austin. Yeah. But but the way we were doing things, uh, we began to see transition coming. It was also during a time whenever the economy in our country, everything radically changed. Okay, and it had a big effect on how we were going to do what God had called all of us to do. And uh, I could not fix it. I didn't have enough money to make everything happen the way I felt like it should happen and to care for all of our families and the staff and the three schools. You know, it was just, uh, it was overwhelming. And so I had a staff meeting with all of our staff, including my kids, and I allowed each one of them, what do you see? What's in your heart? You've been serving with us. We've been going through this. And, and I knew something was changing. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I could see it in their eyes and the weight of everything. And so I just asked them questions. And once they shared with me their heart, then uh, I told them, I said, okay, Becky and I are going to get away and pray. And I heard the Lord say, get out of town. And it wasn't like leave town. It was like, get a fresh perspective. And so the moment that we got in our car and we made a, well, I don't care, I can't, 21 day trip or whatever, I can't even remember how long it was now. But anyway, when we began to drive, we began to pray in the Holy Ghost like never before. It was like the Lord said, you don't have the answers. Okay. And the only way you're going to come into agreement, even in the midst of that transition, my wife, she will tell you, she didn't. It got yeah. to the point she couldn't trust yeah. what she thought I was doing because of where we were at that moment. With the weight of it all, I'm not sure this is going to pan out. I'm not sure I've been with you and, and I've been your biggest cheerleader, but I, this, we can't keep doing this. And out of respect to my wife first, not my partner in ministry, but my wife first, the mother of our children, I had to respect what I saw on her face, on her countenance, everything about that. On my kids, I could see that something had to change. 
And so my job as the overseer of the ministry, overseer of our personal home and my kids and all of that, I had to get some answers. And so we started just traveling. And when we did, we started praying in the Holy Ghost. And through that 21 days, we realized that we may not always agree on the end result and how to get there. That can be a part of the big fight is, is that this is the way I see it. This is the way you see it. Okay, there's one person who sees it better than both of us. And it's God, the Holy Spirit. And whenever he begins to speak to us, we, we don't try and, and talk each other into our side. Because I've lived with her long enough now to where she has a voice and she knows she has a voice and she doesn't have to kowtow to me and, and just say, nope, I'm standing. My, this is what I feel in my spirit. That's okay. Then I got to pray. And if I'm standing, she says, well, well, I got to pray. Because agreement, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. The one place you have to come into agreement is in that place of the spiritual matters. Of Unity. How God is going to bring this. To answer to your question, Pastor, is um, the only way that you can not just look at your parents and, and say that was the way is the place of unity and agreement is praying in the spirit. And Romans here 826, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The thing about it is, is is God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, our intercessor, they know the perfect will for our life. They're praying. And they're praying. They want the will of God for our life more than we want it. So when you realize that, that, that you know, people say, well, that's a Pentecostal thing. No, it's a God thing. It's a Bible uh, thing. It's a Bible thing. I'm, I'm wanting to give you one of the greatest keys. If we stopped right there, that would be enough, that would be enough for you. That the, the more you release the prayer language in your life and the more you spend time praying together in the Holy Ghost would fix more things than you realize you could have fixed. You know what happens is, is when we pray in the spirit together and it's not, we don't do it for hours a day, but just, you know, sometime during the day, if we're driving or if we're working on something or we're getting ready, preparing for classes and and I hear him praying and, and then I just sort of jump in there and start praying with him. Do you know what it does? It makes, it takes the focus off the things that you thought were so important at the moment. And it just puts the focus on him and his will. And then those things that you felt you wanted to fight for and you were, you were going to give up for, it, it doesn't even make those important anymore. It just, you know, your focus changes. And that's what praying in the spirit and finding that place of unity and agreement together. It's like there's one place where you can say the same right. thing. And that's praying in the spirit. Because we know more than being right, we want God's perfect will. That, that's our place of agreement. You know, more than what I want, I want God's hand on it. And I want his blessing on it. Otherwise, it's going to be real tough. Okay? I've been right and it's been tough. Okay? You can be wrong in being right. Hello. 
You might want to put that in your notes. You can be wrong and being right. That's, yeah. that's pretty so, powerful. We should go on. Galatians 5.1 says this. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. These are not in your notes. These are These not are in, in your notes. notes. These are what I put down. Okay. <laughs> because also when it comes to that place of agreement, uh, you know, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost that, that, that sometimes in the midst of a marriage and trust uh, being that major focus is building that trust. If somewhere down the road that trust was broken, it usually is in that realm of of the things of the flesh. Okay, whether it be an all you out were cheated on, or, exactly because uh, you know coming into a new marriage. Maybe this is your second marriage, both of you or one of you. You're having these thoughts of how you were abused in a, in a past relationship or something like that. How someone cheated on you or whatever. You know, the thing is this, is that walking in the Spirit, acknowledging the person of the Holy Spirit. What is the difference in the flesh side and the Spirit side? I put that in there. Galatians 5.1. You might want to just write can, Galatians 5.1. That's verse, what he's got in his notes. Yeah, and then also Galatians 5.16 through 26. Just put those down there and go back and read them for you. But these are just awesome. The works of the flesh are evident. This is verse 16 of chapter 5. Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, uh, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us now become, let us not uh, become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So I shared that because it's not just having an affair. It's all the other feelings and all the other stuff that comes on. In our culture today, there are things that have been introduced into the local church. How about this? Alcohol. I'm not going to fight with you about that. But I'm just telling you that things like that, people, whenever they come under another spirit, they do things and they say things and they act certain ways that they never would. And when they come out from under that, two hours later, they go, I can't believe I did that. I'm just trying to tell you that, that if we really acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit and let him cover, okay, and when things start getting heated, just stop. Just stop. Right in the middle of it. Go, you know what? We're not getting anywhere with this. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's just too spiritual. Okay, whatever. Go down your own road. I've been married 43, uh, I'm 38 years. 39 working years. With the same, working with the same lady 43 years. I know when I'm not going to go any further, we just better stop. Or, or the atmosphere is fixing to change, and it's not going to be good. How about saying it like that? Okay? All right, keep going. Let's, number five. Let's go on to number five. The, but that's great stuff, babe. Great stuff. The covenant you made, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, girls, I'm going to get just a little bit in your stuff here, just a moment. The covenant you made as husband and wife, this is number five for us of the top ten. The covenant you made as husband and wife before God was not to the children, but to each other. Ladies, our nurturing instincts kick in. And there are times that we will put the children between us. 
Trust us. We speak from experience. Those kids grow up and leave your house. Yep. So don't neglect your marriage in lieu of the children. I have seen many marriages crumble because it's all, once the babies are there, it's all about the kids. Their whole world is all about the kids to a place where they don't even know how to talk to one, or, one another anymore because there was always division on what we we're going to do about the kids. There was a division on how we're going to raise them. There's a division on how we're going to go to church. There's a division on how we're going to discipline them. And, and so, and if, if I'm talking to blended families, you know, you guys, that's even, that's, harder. that's even a different deal. I'm just talking about those of you, you know, you trying as best you can, but the kids still tend to come in between. Let me just say this. You did not make a covenant with one another uh, with your children. You made the covenant with one another before God. And I'm going to be honest with you. As a woman, if there is a place where I've beat myself up at times, it's that I'm gallivanting around the world helping everybody save their kids and my own kids have lacked. Now, that's that's an area that I have had to deal with myself a lot. Because on the other I'm, side, we I'm very nurturing. They're okay. Now, of fact, they're better than okay. Now I look and go, what was I worried about? I mean, right. they they came out okay. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to you. You're not raising your kids to stay with you. Hello. You're raising your kids to go. So don't feel like you know I got to make them happy at all costs, and the whole world revolves around them. You cannot do that. You're raising your kids to be healthy and productive adults to go and raise their own families. They're not raising your kids to stay with you till you're 40 or 50 years old to look after you. Okay, you know what I mean? So I'm, you know, you. Everybody has to do it their way, but I'm just saying to you, there's a freedom in knowing you're going to do the best with those kids. But they're not going to come. And I had to learn this. This is one of those places that, that he had to help me through. Because at first, I thought he was just totally missing this. It's like, wait a minute. You know, they're our responsibility. God's given them. He said, yeah, they are our responsibility. But you and I, this is, you're my responsibility. And so, you know, it, we kind of had to navigate through that. But I'm just saying, don't put your kids before yourself. In my notes, I put finding the balance is not easy. So that's what I put in mind because there were times whenever, if y'all knew what we did with our kids, with Pastor Rodney at times, it would blow your mind. I remember one time we had to make a trip and we had to be gone for three weeks and Allie is like four or five and Jody is 16 or 17. I can't remember. And Ryan's 14. Well, they had to be older than that. Uh, so that Jody's 18 and, and Ryan's, 16. Ryan's 16 and Allie's four, whatever. And, uh, We've been gone so long, and Mom's starting to cry, and she's missing the kids because there came a time whenever Pastor Rodney could not carry our kids on some trips. But our trip got extended when we were in Asia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Manila, Philippines, and all that. And uh, about halfway through the trip, he had to go back to, to Pastor, uh, Rodney. Pastor Rodney had to go back to Tampa to do one of the weeks because he was gone so long. And he picked up our kids, and our son Jody and Ryan and Allie all traveled to Hong Kong uh, overseas, 16, 18 hour trip. And our boys took care of our daughter and got her to us. And people go, how can you do that? Make your kids travel all by themselves and leave that up to your kids. I said, I had no choice. It was either that or I couldn't see them at all, but I had to trust. Hello. I had to trust the Holy spirit because he's the one who had called us to do what we were doing. Otherwise, other things too. Well, your kids were homeschooled. Yes, they were. And I had to have a teacher 
Like if I had come here for a week of revival, I would say, are there any teachers retired or whatever that would mind sitting with my kids while we do the morning service so they can do their homework just to oversee? And my daughter's sleeping underneath a basket, in a basket underneath the front pew. And they're up till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I mean, there were things that we had to do. Well, our kids, you know, they have to have their sleep. Yeah, they do. But you know what? In what we were doing, they had to be with us or we couldn't do what we did. So we had to make adjustments. One other thing about your children, they will be okay. They will be okay, all right? They will be just fine. If they miss a couple of nights of sleep, might be a little irritated in the morning, but they will be okay. I know some people that don't bring their kids to night services at all because they got to be at school the next morning. My kids are doing great. And they were in so many services their whole life from age about 15 up was in church. Three meetings a day. So don't even go there. Just don't put the kids between you. Okay. So these are things that we've had to deal with. And stop. Somebody's got a hand. Yes. 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 Yeah. You know, it, it is a real deal. I remember the time. This is a funny story. We're in Africa. And my, mid, uh, my oldest son, Jody, and three of our grandchildren are living with us because their home is being prepared, built. And so through all of our time in Austin, we've had either kids or children staff. or staff living students. with us, students in our home. And we love that. Beautiful. You've been to my home. Sometimes we and love so, that. Huh? Sometimes we love that. Now, sometimes we loved it and sometimes we liked it. But I come home from Africa and Jody and his family have moved into their new home. So I walk into my house and it's deathly quiet. Not only is it deathly quiet, but house, half of my house is empty. Because my son took furniture from my house <laughs> to fill his house. You know, what's mine is mine and what's mine is yours. I'm going, we've been robbed. <laughs> but then I, but then we, you know, it, not even a vacuum cleaner. My rainbow was gone. I mean, everything, my, my mop my was gone. My and mop were gone. They're gone. Can you? So I, but, then I, but then we go in the living room. We sit down and go, honey, you hear that? She said, what? I said, hear that? She said, no, what? I said, nothing. It's quiet. It's quiet. <laughs> So I stripped down. No, I did not oh, run yeah. through my house with no, cause I'm like, but no, it really was a real deal. And we had to get used to it was a, a, being it, in our home with without no one there, but I, without the children, you, there will come a time when, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. And have you worked, you know, have you worked on this? Have you, because otherwise when they go, it's almost like there's a stranger in the house. Right. And you don't want that y'all. I'm going to tell you what you don't. And listen, you don't want to try to figure this out with somebody else at this point in your life. <laughs> in other words, start honest, over. Don't start over now. I mean, that's dumb. You know, people say, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell them myself. People say, hey, if anything ever happens, you know, would you remarry? Are you kidding? Try to figure this whole thing out again with somebody else. Not on your life. No way. I'm going to go harass my kids and say, look, I did all this kind of stuff for you. Now you're going to have to I'm help with me you here. this week. Yeah. I'm with you I'm that a, week. I'm, a, or I'm, here I'm this just month. saying, I, I just don't think I could go I, I figure this saying. thing out again with somebody. Uh, marriage. Unless is, he's rich. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm just saying marriage is such an incredibly wonderful life, but it's, it's work. It's work. It's work. Okay. It's hard work. Number okay. six. Sorry. We're halfway through. Lord have mercy. Any other questions? Any other thoughts? Before we go any further? Number six, you ready? The D word. No, wait. Yeah. Number six, is that right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The D word. Okay. The D word is not an option. I don't even bring it up. I told her when I got married, I said, I will never, ever use that word. 
Okay? Now, one thing I have not addressed is this. Whenever people come to us and they say, Pastor Joe, my husband, he's, he's, a, he's abusing me. I go, how's he abusing you? And then she begins to tell me whether or not, if it's physical, then I will find a place for that, that I will have her find a place because I never, ever, ever, as a pastor, encourage someone to live in abuse. Now, what people say is abuse it can be gray area. You have to be careful. If they're looking for a way out, they will find a way out. But if someone is living in abuse as a pastor, I never encourage them to live in that abuse. There has to be some serious uh, counseling and things like that because that is very serious stuff. Okay? We're not talking. We're just talking about struggles that we have. But the D word, I never, ever use that word. I never throw that. Well, I'm, I, we're going to get a divorce. I know people throw that out there all the time. Well, I'm leaving. Okay. I never got in my car one time in a big argument, got in my car and drove off the the parking lot, got out of my house. I never did that. I did. Once or twice, I jumped in the car, but I didn't have anywhere to go. So I think I drove around the block a couple of times and came back because really I didn't have anywhere to go. I don't know what I was doing. I was just mad and, you know, I didn't want to cry. So I got in the car, but Divorce is not something that you should use. And when you enter a covenant, that should go out of your vocabulary completely. We usually end up doing what we speak. So don't go there. Just decide up front it's not an option and make plans to work it out no matter what. How many of you know your words are powerful? Book of Romans, if you throw, it says, If you throw it out there enough, you'll eventually do it. You will. You speak those things that be not as though they are, whatever they are. Okay, you speak it long enough, it'll get in your spirit, and that's what you will do. Same way with the Word of God. You speak it long enough, it'll begin to change the atmosphere of your home. Okay? I'm just, I'm just giving you a few practical things here. Okay? Here's another one. Numbers. Covenant was never meant to be broken. Covenant was never meant to be broken. Has Jesus Christ ever broken his covenant with us? He has not. And our marriage on earth is a picture of that heavenly relationship we have with our bridegroom. I should have said that in the very, very beginning. What we're living as husband and wife should be a mirror of our relationship with Jesus Christ personally. Okay? We all, that's why we start off two imperfect people, okay? As far as making mistakes and all of that. But the more of the Word of God we get in our lives and let it be our, our plumb line, then we allow the Word of God to lead and guide us and help us with all those things. We need to hurry on. Number seven. Okay? Don't play the blame game. That's one of the things that we, that was... Big issues early on in our, we wanted someone to blame. It's in our nature, thank you, Adam and Eve, before Christ comes to reside in our hearts. But after we accept him, we have the new DNA so we can move from this very dangerous game. Nobody ever wins in the game of blame. Right. You never win. And that, um, we won't have to read that, but Genesis 3, yeah. 9 through 13, you see that where Adam passed the blame. When, the woman made me do it. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The, the serpent, serpent made me do it. So, you know what? It, 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 let me just tell you, we both have to own up. We both have to own up. We both have to take responsibility for where we are. And once you both take responsibility for where you are, you'll quickly move on out of that into uh, a new place. In my notes, I have know the words, I'm sorry. A lot. Know the words, yeah, because I make a lot of mistakes. No, 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 I'm not saying you, I'm just saying me. But really and truly, 
Know the words I'm sorry, because some guys don't know how to say I'm sorry. Baby, I messed it. I messed it up. I, I missed it. Okay? And when you do that, then own up to it and, and make adjustments. Okay? Don't just go back and make the same mistake over and over again. Some people say I'm sorry, and they didn't really mean they were sorry. They were sorry they got caught. But if you really do want to make a change, then be honest with your spouse and saying, listen, I, I just didn't handle that right. I, I'm going to do better. Okay? All right. That's it right there. Pride. Definitely. It's pride. Plain and simple. It's just, it's just pride. And that, that is a part of the works of the flesh that have to come under and, and yield itself to the spirit, to the work right. of the spirit in your life. You know, that, that, that pride thing right there, uh, my, my heart breaks because, you know, uh, for, for people, uh, the reason they get a divorce or, or whatever, they, they don't believe things can change. Okay, why do people commit suicide? Their life's not going to change. And, and that's, that's fear and they lose hope. This type of living in, in the presence of the Lord and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work, it builds your faith. If you're always talking about, if you're always talking about the D word and well, you're talking in fear. Many marriages... It, there's this atmosphere of fear. We're not going to have enough money. We're not ever going to do this business. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to make it this. Change the atmosphere. Got to change the atmosphere. You, I, I'm, I, that's one thing that I brought into our marriage. I am one most of the, definitely. I am one of the most optimistic persons. Most definitely. I, you know, I am one of those. I always see the glass half and full. And I never have. And it. I'm always the negative. She's well, going, what if well, we do what this? If this? Well, I don't know what if. I don't care what if. And he'd say, "You're so negative." I say, "No, I'm just real." Yeah. And I'd say, you're so positive. And he'd say, no, I'm, you know. So I kind of lend, I, I, my spin is toward faith. the negative. And, and I thank God that God put me with a husband that's full of faith and can see the future. And the future is always bright. And the, the famous word he said to me every year, honey, next year's going to be our year. I'd say that to me every year. And I just think, really? 39 years know, 39 later, years, guess what? I guess what he said. Honey, this is our year. Okay, praise the Lord. Here we are. And you know what? It does. It's gotten better and better and better and better and better. He's had to better. eat her words. I have. I have. Because they've been better and better and better. And I keep holding on to her and making her look back to it. No. <laughs> no That's why don't. we say this. Don't play the blame game. Because uh, my dad, let me just say this. Before my dad received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, every time he corrected me, he always went back to what I did the year before or when I messed it up the last time or whatever. And he'd always bring up my past. You never, you know, and that's the thing. And I don't want to throw my dad under the bus, but whenever you hear certain people talk, well, they've never done what I asked them to do. Well, that's not true. Never, ever did they do what you asked them to do ever, 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 ever. Okay. Well, maybe one time. Yeah. I mean, so come on. But that kind of mentality or that kind of thought process, it's so, you can never move forward. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I thank God I'm not smart enough. And I'm not trying to speak my mind or whatever, but I don't remember a lot of the hard, hard, hard times. God allows the anesthetic of the Holy Ghost to come and wipe away a lot of those things so to where your memory is all the good times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Even with our kids mm-hmm. and even with ministry mm-hmm. and, 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 and past uh, businesses and, and relationships. And I think business. that's the blood of, that's the power Come of the on. blood of Jesus. 
It just causes you to have the good, the yeah. good memories. Any so. other thoughts? Uh, anything while we're talking? Anyone want to share anything? Uh, number oh, eight. Wait, right yeah, here. Right here. Sure. Number five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just for couples that are maybe um, they want to have kids and it's been a while and they've tried and they feel like, like, like we have, we've created this maybe environment where it's a waiting period. And we don't really know. We can't say that it's God's will. We have a desire to have kids. There's part of us that, want, that wants to have kids. And there's a part of us that says, I don't know if I want to raise a kid in my late 50s. <laughs> so we feel that this is, we're kind of, we're, we're loving each other, but we feel like, okay, when is, this, when is this next thing, this next step in our life going to happen? How, how, do, how do you deal with that? Because it's tough. Because I, sometimes I work, I work so hard, she works so hard, and I'm thinking, what am I doing this for? Now, you know? my mindset would That's be... That's a great question. My mindset... My, now, here's the way I deal with it. I want to fix it, but I can't. My mindset is, how can I fix this? You know, how can I help you fix this? But, but I've learned... It's not a great analogy, but let me give you two thoughts. The first one was this. When my son used to come to me and say, Dad, I want to get married. I know she's out there. I don't know who she is. How will I know? And I would say, Jody... I, I can't tell you that. But I said, I trust you. And I trust the Holy Spirit in you that whenever she comes along, you're going to know it. I, I can't know that for you. And sure enough, one day he comes to me and he says, Dad, I think I know. And then he tells me who it is. And I go, in my mind, I go, no. That's who he picked? <laughs> you know, in my natural mind. And the first time we saw her in the meetings was here in the very first meeting we ever did here at the church in the old place and with Vanessa. But, Jody, but even Vanessa and Tressa, uh, the, uh, uh, daughter. our daughter-in-laws, both of those girls had a struggle having babies. And through the supernatural anointing of God, God provided a way. My brother John went through in vitro. So that's something that, you know, one of Jesus' disciples was, was a doctor, Luke. So I believe Jesus understood the importance of, of the physician. And so we thank God for all of those. The only thing is you. I don't think there's a. That's my I whole don't point. think there's a right or wrong. I think it's what you it's all what want. It's what you two feel in your heart. You have to rest. And that, that's the hardest thing. My biggest struggle with me through my years has been. I see it one way in my natural mind. And I link my faith to that. And when it doesn't happen, I get very frustrated. Like I missed it. Or, or did I do something wrong? But I have to rest in the fact that God knows my heart is so after him. That That's he what... can have anything and everything that I have, including my kids. And you can have your heart's desire. And, and he gives us our heart's desire. So what does that mean? What is that desire? If, if he doesn't give you kids in the natural, then let there be uh, uh, through adoption or something like that. And if that's not, and if there comes a rest that that's not the path we want to we do, then, then raise up spiritual children. I, I, you know, I, that's all I can say because in the last, since 2011, our, our life has radically changed. And, and we have had to come to grips with the fact that not everything that I have desired is going to look 
the way I thought it would look. I would just say to you guys, he's going to give you your heart's desire. I think the place you have to come is what is our heart's desire. Because you can have whatever you ask. And, yeah. and whatever that way, if it's adoption, yeah. if it's in vitro, I don't think God's going to say, oh, you messed up. No, nah, nah. I believe he, yeah. he loves you enough. He wants to get, if, if children is your heart's desire, God will make a way through other options. I believe there's nothing wrong with that Absolutely. whatsoever. And, and I will say this, when Allie came along, I was 40 and Becky was 38. And having kids at 40 and 38 was a whole lot different than 16 years before having them at 23 or whatever It takes a it lot of energy. Okay. Those of you who are older who have children, it takes a lot of energy, yeah. right? It takes right. a lot of energy. So, I mean, you, 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 have to, you have to count the cost and you have to decide what is it you want. But if you can come together in agreement on what you want and then you just start putting your feet, you just start walking, you know what I mean? And you have been walking. You just start You've been walking. walking this journey you explore out. options. You explore, you know, do we do this? Do we do that? And just in agreement. Just be in agreement. That's all. But she yeah. can't be doing her thing. You can't be doing your thing. And, and God's don't, hand and of don't blessing blame each other it. either. Well, yeah. if you'd have done this, we could have. And if you'd have done this, we don't could do have. Don't do that. Because let me tell you, God's perfect will yeah. is, is there. And your heart's after him. And his timing. And, his, and that's his another timing. thing. You know, seasons. Uh, that, that, that there's so much here that we can't talk through in two hours. But I, I sense in my heart your heart's desire. And, and uh, if it hasn't happened, then there's a reason. God sees the bigger picture. And our part is, is that we just have to rest. We just have to rest in him. That he's got that part of it under control. And just love each other through the journey. You know, there's so many ways... What if, I'm not, I'm not going to speak this over you, but what if there are others coming through this journey and you had to help them navigate this journey? We went through this. We believe God. We believe God. And to this point, we've not been able to have kids. And, and, and you know what? There's peace in that. It, it's, again, I, I can't give you the, the, the answer. I just know your heart's desire. And we can link our faith with you. And we can continue to pray. And speak those things that be not as though they are. Amen. That's a phenomenal question, by yeah, the way. Thank you. Very powerful question. Anyone else uh, without moving forward? And, and please, uh, you know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So how do we deal with that, that, that sickness? You have to get lost in his presence. You have to live in his presence. That God in the midst of that will give you, if this is not the plan, then God, what is the plan? What is our next step? And then coming into agreement to walk that plan out. That's that's a good question. Uh, Uh, Number eight. This is an interesting one. Yep. Number eight. Be willing to place careers or dreams or anything on the altar rather than your spouse or the relationship. If something has to go, it's not going to be you or your spouse. You want to share your... Or I'll just share a quick because we, we're running out of time. Well, it's just very simply whenever... Early uh, in our... Let me do it this way. Early in our marriage, Joe comes from a very strong family, five, uh, four siblings and him, mom and dad. And they are such a tenacious family. They go after the will of God like you've never seen. Here I come in. The Lord puts us together. We get married. And there were times early on in the marriage when I felt... 
This doesn't mean he did it. But the way I saw it was is that he put a ministry before marriage. He chose his family. This is, I'm just telling you, this is what I saw. I saw him choose his family and their ministry over me. And it was a very painful time in my life. Because I felt completely isolated and hurt that I wasn't a priority and I wasn't important to him. And, um, and then he just came in. You want to? Can... Well, yes. And that's great. The, the, the thing was is that with, with, with me, I thank God for the Holy Spirit and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because in every transition that we've ever had to make. Let me put it like this. Every season change, God has always, just like in the season uh, change in the field, farming. You cannot move to the next season until you prepare the soil for that season. Soil in Scripture represents your heart. So for every season you have to go through, God will prepare your heart for that season, whatever that is. And for me, she had come to us and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. On that trip was when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I came back home, her feelings were still the same. But, by the, but with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it changed our, what we were doing ministry-wise. Because the Baptist churches that we were involved in didn't want our ministry anymore. So it gave her the opportunity to be home. And we transitioned from a traveling concert ministry to uh, working there at home. And I took on another job. We honored the dates that we had, but I took on another job so my wife could be home because now our kids were, Allie wasn't even born, but our boys were six and seven or six and eight, something along there. And she was weary from having to travel with the kids and them go now starting to school and it was a new season. How are we going to educate our kids? I mean, all of that stuff was in the midst of that whole transition. And uh, in the midst of that, I said, no. I don't love my family more than you. I love you, and I'm going to prove to you that I love you. And so we quit traveling as much. And I had, well, I had to do different kind of travel because I had to provide for my family. I did that for what? About two and a half years. And through a series of events, by 1989, the Lord took us to a local church. And then we quit traveling as a family from 1989 to 1994, five years. And then Pastor Rodney Howard Brown came to our church and the opportunity for us to travel again. But now my kids are old enough now to where they want to be a part of what we're doing. Jody's playing drums and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just a different season in our life. Then whenever we have to make transition again in 2011, okay, then again, I proved to her that you mean more to me than our our ministry, the schools, the church, everything else. You mean more to me. If I have to do something different, I will do that because I'm not going to lose my help meet partner in life. Okay? I didn't have to quit doing all those things, but we made adjustments in the Holy Ghost and came to a place of agreement to where she could keep up. She would not be worn out. Uh, she would not... Uh, I could provide for her because I had provided for everyone else. Everything we ever did uh, was put into all the other people's lives, into ministry, and everything else. 
And in that transition in 2011, I handed off the church to my son. I took on whatever debt needed to be cleared out, taken care of, and all of that so that we could live our life. We could come to that place of agreement. When you have a large, large staff, people see ministry different ways and things like that. Sometimes it's hard to be in agreement. Hello? It just is. Everyone to see the same and move that big machine in the same direction uh, with the same purpose and mindset. So that's what we did. And that's why we made the decisions. I've I done it know, more than once. I just know people that, you know, they put their careers before their marriage. And you can't. And you can't. You'll wind up with a career. That's right. That's what you'll wind and up. No lonely. Family. Very lonely. With a career. So, or a ministry or whatever that is. So just, just be careful. And, and don't, if something has to go, make sure it's not people, but right. it's dreams or careers. Uh, number nine, make sure you set aside time away from work, pressures children to reconnect and celebrate why you came together in the first place. Marriage takes work and a willingness to grow and change. Instead of fighting each other, fight for time to spend with each other and with the Lord. And we find that this is so important. <laughs> yeah. It's just ever so, we, we're, we, we, this is a case of, uh, do as we say and not as we do, because yeah. sometimes we're the last ones to really do for ourselves. Yeah. But when we do it, it is so much fun just to get away, the two of us, for 24 hours. Or uh, we, we had one whole day this past week. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you what, uh, my husband loves to play golf. So we took Tuesday this past week, and we took almost 24 hours. He went and played golf, and I went with him, and he fixed my clubs, and we got out, and we went and played golf. and. And we, I forgot what we did that day. But we went, we had a whole day when we weren't doing church Took or ministry. Shopping and Took me shopping and, Came you know, home and fixed steaks on the grill and just a whole day. Just, just a whole us. day of not, not ministry driven stuff, you know, or school stuff or webinars no or whatever. No webinars, no one, nothing. And, and it was just so much fun. We, and it was like, we kind of played and talked and, you know, kind of, it just gives you a different perspective. So please make time. Please take time for one another just to get away. And make sure you don't, in your getaway, that you're not talking about the children or you're not talking about your work or whatever, but what, what they... And we just had a great day of just Here, Here's what loving. we do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk. I, I want to finish this up, but I've got to share a couple of things. I know though. I do a little bit. But the Lord showed me... He, he remember when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and they were complaining about... And, and, and uh, whenever the alabaster box and the oil... I mean, and Jesus makes a statement to the religious. He says, oh, he said, shouldn't the oil been, been, been sold and given to the poor? To the poor. And, and Jesus, Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. And here's what the Lord showed me. He said, whether they are poor in finance or they are poor in spirit, they are still poor. And your heart is, as a minister of the gospel, I want to fix all the poor. I'm going to help them. I'll give my life. I'm going to, if I have to do another crusade, another date, another meeting, another, because the poor, there's so many people that are needy. They, they've asked me to come. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, poor you'll have with you always. You will work yourself to death and never have any time for yourself. The Lord doesn't mind if you have a day for you or two or five. I've got eight days set aside in June with my kids. And when it's over a Sunday, and I'm having the hardest time because I know in that area where we're having vacation, I know I could minister that Sunday morning and pay for most of that vacation. <laughs> but my wife is going, please don't work Sunday. Let's don't work Sunday. Just spend Sunday off. And I'm almost, I feel guilty. Anybody else feel like that? <laughs> like I feel guilty. And I've got to get past that mindset. 
Because my wife, I remember the time when we very first got married, first, first Christmas, she bought me a shotgun. I took it That's back. That's a good Texas girl I right there. I took it back the next week because I was afraid we couldn't afford it. And I bought her rings. Honey, we can't afford it. She'll take it back. So what do you do? Then, in our mind, we, we rationalize this, and so we take it back. So finally, what happens? Special days come around, and you go. You don't even do anything. I'm not going to buy it because she'll take it back. Or she goes, I'm not going to buy it because he'll take it back. We can buy for everybody else. And I mean lavish. Everybody else. But when it comes to us, we cannot somehow in our mind rationalize that it doesn't hurt. And God's not going to be mad if we lavish one another with something nice. She's my best friend. She's my covenant partner. And I have given my life to everybody else at times. But to, and I have made a promise to my God that in these latter days of our life I'm going to lavish my wife with some things that in the past I've given to everybody else and their kids I mean sacrificed hundreds of thousands of dollars paying other kids tuitions and 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 and, and getting cars and things and did it with all the gratitude in my heart and blessed others with vehicles and all kinds of stuff but I cannot spend a week and just lavish my wife because ministry. Be careful that your job and everything else, you just so sink everything you have into everyone else that your covenant partner is the one and your family suffer because we are trying to take care of the poor. Does that make sense? And I am the worst. I'm the biggest guilty one because I can book another date. Because they're out there to be booked. People want what God is doing in our life. But I have to turn around at times and she's going, okay. You know, she's weary. So anyway, that's, that's, that was seven. No, that was... Or nine or whatever it was. Nine. nine. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, uh, we have there Song of Solomon. We won't read it. But Song oh, of Solomon good. chapter... No, I'll read that. That's good. I like that one. Uh, this is... This is just, you know, the, picture, the beautiful picture of Christ in the church. But also, I think it can, you can narrow this down to you and your, your spouse. Uh, Solomon 2, Song of Solomon 2.10, My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, for lo, the winter is past. And I say to many of you, prophetically, the winter is past for you as, as couples. Amen. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vine with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one. Come away. Oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Ah. (laughs) For your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. And it's just talking about coming away from the weights and cares of the past. I could get really silly right here. No, don't do that. And 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 but come away. I love it when and he get starts to talk about the fruit. No, don't let's go on. Let's, guys know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, let's go on. Uh, <laughs> let's get to number 10. We just have a few minutes, I think. Learn, okay, all right. Number 10, learn to walk in forgiveness and let God's love be the standard in your home. There you go. If you're breathing, if they're breathing, your mate will eventually offend you. No. Yes. Learn to forgive over and over and over. And I'm going to say this is the, this is one of the things in a marriage that many, 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 many people, they cannot forgive. They just flat cannot 
forgive. Something happened 20 years ago, and they hold it over them to this day. Learn to forgive. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 18 to forgive his brother, his Christian brother. How many times? 70 times 7. How much more should we forgive? Should we walk in forgiveness with our spouses? God's definition of love is the biblical pattern and should guide us in our relationships as husbands and wives. And then I just wrote here, which I just think is beautiful. It's 1 Corinthians. It's the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. But it's in the message translation. I don't know if you've ever read it out of the message translation. But it's really, really awesome. And um, if you just can follow along here, it says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and make everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I owe to the poor, that's what you were talking about there, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. It's very powerful. I love it out of the message. And uh, if I can say anything, it's one of the things that my husband has done for me is he has demonstrated God's love in an amazing way. He has been the picture of Christ in our marriage constantly. For 39 years, even when I was unlovely. And I'm very, very grateful. He's not without mistakes, but he has represented Christ so beautifully in our home over the years. And I'm grateful for that. And we were talking at breakfast. We were saying, Lord, we don't do this very often. Lord, you've got to help us. Help us to say what needs to be said that would be a blessing to someone. But I looked across the table at him and I said, you know, the most amazing thing about us is God knew when he put us together, we really did need each other. Really did need each other. Thank you, my dear. 
and you know, I don't, I don't sing and he doesn't play. So in that respect, we really do need each other. And we really are better working the two of us together. But aside from that, I need the strength and the consistency and the tenacity that he provides. And he needs someone occasionally with the reins that pulls back and says, wait a minute, wait just a minute, hold on. I mean, you know, I know you see the, I know you see the end, but uh, wait, we got to think about how we're going to get there. And, uh, and it's been a a beautiful relationship. It's been a hundred percent give and take. He's, he's given a hundred percent and he's taken a hundred percent. I've given a hundred percent and taken a hundred percent. So these are just the top 10 things that we've learned as we put them down and discussed them. And I hope it's been a blessing. I hope it's been a blessing. There are others. There are others. Yeah. There's some, a lot of others. Yeah. One thing that helps us is that before we leave the house, we always pray or in the car and it, and it really helps a lot. It does, doesn't it? really helps a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and one more thing too is that, um, you know, sometimes Mary Jo will call on the phone and sometimes I know that she's calling. I don't have to look at my phone. And then sometimes, too, she'll say something, and right at that moment, I'm thinking of the same thing. So it really, it's really important that we're... Well, uh, <laughs> Good scary. But, but a, lot of times, a lot of times it's like about calling a person or something, and then God will put it at both in our hearts right at the same time. Awesome. Others? Other thoughts? Yeah, this is great. Pastor, anything? Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. We'll let you guys close it if you want. Oh, I really can see God put such a wonderful love between you, and I also see a pastor. He's such a godly man, and um, you are so blessed. And um, so what I want to say is that if a husband, well, uh, he's the one does not want to do any marriage workshop or does not want to pray with you, and uh, he uh, like to recount all the runs from the past and and what are you going to do in that situation so you are the one try to of course uh also make mistakes but uh, yeah just uh, i know a lot of uh, couples probably asian yeah. couples that uh, they were the wife always will try to yeah. we want to improvement <laughs> yeah just my heart my heart my heart breaks I think, again, it goes back to pride. You know, pride. None of, no, as men, we don't like to think that, that... You need help. We need help. You know, we got it under control, man. We good. Or we're men, you know. But mm-hmm. that, that's a part of that God coming and, and bringing the love. Uh, it's hard for me to put it in you know, words. But my, it, my, just, it my has dear to lady. be something God does. One thing I will say to you, the one thing you cannot do is fix him or change him. But your comforter, your helper, the Holy Spirit, he can do what you cannot do. And so don't try to go home today and try to see how you can fix him. Because you cannot fix him. But you can love him deeper. And you can pray for him. And you can ask God to do a suddenly in his life. Pastor Joe's probably going to speak on the suddenlies of God sometime this weekend. And you don't want to miss that. The suddenlies of God are very powerful. I thank the, God for the those suddenlies, suddenlies of God life. means you're going one way and suddenly God 
and then you're going another way. And I pray and believe for the marriages here today that are in dire need. And I know that there are some here that are in dire need of help. I pray for you that the suddenlies of God will be in your relationship and in your marriage. That God by his spirit can come and do. But I just say to you, you cannot fix him. And you cannot answer for him. And you cannot try and convince him or coerce him. You can pray for him, and you can ask the comforter to do what you cannot do, and you can love him more now than you've ever loved him before. Don't love a, a fiction or a, a picture of who you want him to be, but you just love him simply for who he is, that he's God's. And ask the Lord, Lord, I can't do anything, but I, my eyes are on you. I need a suddenly in my marriage. But again, Scripture talks about a praying wife. How important a praying, a praying wife, wife is. And you can accomplish great things in prayer. Lean, on your, lean on your staff here at the church. Lean on your church family. And, and your, your uh, covenant groups or whatever you call small them. Small groups. Your small groups. Care groups, I think they you stand, call them. That they stand with you. And, you know, we do our part. There's always our part. But there's always God's part. We do our part to know what we can do without putting pressure on our spouse. Maybe it's a husband in your situation, but maybe it's, or others, but maybe it's the wife in other situations as well. But uh, we just have to understand that the word of God, the power of God can overcome anything. There can be a sudden, it can change tonight, it can change tomorrow, change this afternoon. You go home and just tell him, oh, it was so awesome. We just learned some practical things, you know. Don't go home and tell him all the things. Just show him, this is what we talked about. You can read it if you want, you know, kind of. Let him see those things without him feeling like he, Or it made me love you more. Yeah, you made know. This made me love you more. Reinforce yeah. with love, God's love. It, it'll be a love that you, it, it'll be beyond you. It'll be the agape love. Not the Eros love, but the agape love. You know, love. really. The it, God love. It really is funny because, I don't know about you guys, but, but. If you did any sports at all, you know, you're always in the mirror looking and you're always making sure the arms are getting a little bigger or whatever when you were younger and all that kind of stuff. The girls don't like to look in the mirror. They hate the mirror. Mm-mm. But you find the guys are always walking by a mirror, you know, and just checking to make sure everything hadn't slid too far, you know. <laughs> and it's like, That's I always y'all tell love yourselves her, better. But I always, I'm just the truth. I always tell her, honey, you're so beautiful. You look so awesome. I don't, don't look <laughs> and, and it's like, I had to fight that too. <laughs> you know, I got to do that too, you know. But uh, it's, it's, it's a journey. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't done it right. Man, I've messed it up so many times. But we uh, shared some things today with you that these have been our struggling points. These have been the ones where but we've we come through. Up. Hallelujah. Come through. Anybody else? Anybody Any else other thoughts? Let me ask you this. Pray. How many of you can be here tonight? You can be here tonight. We're just going to come and worship the Lord, sing a little while. I might share a little bit, and then we'll pray for folks. Let me ask you this. How many of you today, you would like for us, I'm, I'm going to dismiss you because I know some of you have to go. But if you, have, if you would like for us to pray, I'll be glad to pray, specifically concerning some situations here in your family. Uh, I know that can be dangerous, you know, but I'm willing to do whatever we need to do, okay? We just don't want to talk about it. We also want to pray. So if, if there's some areas that we really need to address, you know, my brother, I, you know, I, I can't fix that situation, but my heart goes out to you. 
You know, all I know is the faith side. Keep standing. Uh, Tomorrow I'm going to talk, probably tomorrow morning I'm going to minister on the push. The push. What is the push? You know, faith, there there is a push. There, there There is a tenacity to walking in the ways of God. There is a rest, but there is a tenacity. There is an enemy out there and he wants to take you out. And he is, he is relentless at that. But on the other side, there is a faith walk that we all have to walk. And that faith walk sometimes is not easy. It's just flat, not easy. Mm-hmm. And there is this push by the Holy Ghost that we have to continually push. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow, okay? But uh, anyway, the Lord is good. Let's hey, just, I, I, I'm Dr. Just, I, Lau, do you want to say anything before we go? Pastor, I just pastor before you do it. I just want to give you a quick testimony. I, and I was thinking to say this earlier. I heard on TV the other day about a um, a couple. They were seventy three years old. You may have heard this. But we're talking about the one becoming one flesh. They were uh, no. I'm sorry. They were ninety something. They had been married seventy three years to the same same person. And um, he was ninety. He was a veteran. And they had put him in hospice uh, as, a, as a veteran. He was able to go to the veteran hospice. She, however, was not able to do that. And so they had to, when she got, you know, up in years, they had to put her in a different care facility. But I heard on the news that uh, at a certain time, at a certain day, in the veteran's hospice, he passed away. Five minutes later, in another care center in town she went as well I think that's the picture of becoming one till we see him a process and it was just like wow because listen when he goes I I don't want to stay you know what I mean I I don't really have any reason to stay after that so I, I watched Joe's mom and dad they've been married 62 63 years they think alike they talk alike they they're amazing. They, they, the faith that they have and the, what they speak, how they live. And, but it's a journey. And it comes with testing and trials. But you will make it. You will make it. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what media says. You will make it. And you'll come through on the other side to be a testimony of God's greatness and it's good. Amen. Thank you, pastors. Um, I believe that um, God speak to all of you today and such a great sharing and teaching of the Word of God and sharing about experience. I, I can identify with them that uh, we all struggle. Marriage uh, is not easy. It's, uh, it's a journey that we all grow and learn and change. And I noticed that People have different personalities, and in each personality, there are weaknesses in it. There's strength in it. Like when you talk about your personality of being visionary and push, exactly I am that way. And because of that, uh, sometimes I hurt Pasada because I keep going and going. And I hurt her for many years without knowing it because I thought, okay, this is the way. Especially a man like me thinking about provision. I think the same way. When I fly out from Bangkok to come arrive in here by noon, next hour I will be at the operating table. 
at 1 p.m. I'm serious because I have to pay my bill. I have to pay bill. So as a man, you like okay. I need to provide. I need to make money. I need to not that I love money, but I am responsible to pay the bills and to make you know make sure the family are taken care. But at the same time, because of that, my weakness is I'm not sensitive to her about her time about her need. So we all need to do adjustment. I try to adjust more now that I learn to close my computer. Even though sometimes I want to keep going, and I have to close computer and spend time and talk, I repented and I tried to change. It may take me many years to change because I was made up that way. As man, you are not sensitive to emotion of people. You just go, 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 get the job done. So uh, we all have mistake. I think the best is to keep learning, keep improving. Anything that God speak to us, we need to change. And uh, keep adjusting to, but set the goal that I'm gonna have a good marriage, a godly marriage, and to be example. Because whatever we do, we'll not only give glory to God, but we'll bring the blessing to our children, the thousand generations. If we break, we have bad marriage. Our kids gonna have bad marriages because of the curses that the parents did. This is gonna be lifetime, no graduation. No one can say I graduate. I'm perfect now, and um, I totally agree that we need each other badly. Asada needs me, and I need her. Actually, it just happened lately. Um, my our ministry, especially mission, has grown so much. And again, I feel that God gives us the anointing to help people when we listen to testimony and like. Wow, we change a person's life, a family life. We change life so much. We don't want to put the anointing under the ground and do nothing about it. So we want to give. We want to go out and bless the people who suffer all over the world. You know, you, you are in this church. You are blessed so much, but people out there, you may not know how terrible they lack the teaching. They lack the anointing. We fly and bless people, but because of my Visionary guy like Pastor Joe, I don't learn how to stop the break. I just keep going. But thank God, you know, Pastor Da is very uh, uh, supportive. Even though sometimes I make her unhappy because of my going and going. So, <clears throat> but I know I need her because she. I need her to stop me, because otherwise I keep going. And I came back from Europe this time. I was tired and very exhausted, and Pasada gently, kindly, lovingly talked to me without yelling at me, without making me feel guilty. He just say gently to me before we went to uh, sleep and go to went to bed. He say, "Are you sure that you can do this trip in July to Thailand?" He just mentioned one sentence. I woke up. You're right. I need to cancel that trip because if I kept doing that, I may not live long because I keep pushing. So right after Pastor Da said that, kind of pull me back. I emailed the pastor right away. I'm sorry, I don't think your meeting is not gonna be f- failure if I don't show up. Could you please allow us to cancel my trip in July and give us some more rest because we. Could not, I could not handle this. I need to rest. 
the pastor said yes, okay, they will find some other preacher. Uh, this is the camp, church camp of other another group. So when I got that email back, I'm so thankful to Pastor Da. Without her reminding me, I would go into that schedule, and I don't think too much because I'm a going guy, keep going. But she had to stop me sometime, break me. So in the same way, uh, Pastor Da just talked to me about helping somebody in Thailand, ten thousand dollars. And she is a giver, so she just want to give to this poor lady. But I'm logical. Then I say, okay, what can happen when we give this and that and this and that? I start to raise question. I kind of put a break on her. Yes, I am happy to give ten thousand dollars. We can give, but one, two, three, four. I start to think. So I throw the question back to her. She called a lady in Thailand. And try to figure out what is going on here. If I give money to this family that I don't even know, I don't even know who they are, how many kids they have, why they, how they spend money. If I even gonna sow money. I need to know, and the Holy Spirit needs to speak to me. I cannot just sow money without knowing exactly what. If God tell me yes, I would do it. But if God doesn't tell me, I have to find a reason why I sow money. So I put the break too. And this morning, when she called back, they changed their mind. They say, "Oh, we don't need that money. We do change their plan." You see, we need each other. She put a break on me, and I put a break on her because we have different gift. Her gift, if gift is giving, she just want to give. My gift is, hmm, is this really reasonable to do this? To give somebody ten thousand dollars out of the blue, without knowing all the background and basic and all this thing, and I don't even know the family. I, so you see. Um, we need each other badly. I, I, I one thing I want to add before Ephesians five twenty one. That I think you you read from twenty two. Yeah, I think twenty one say submit to each other. So I need to submit to her, and she need to submit to me. We need to listen to each other and come in agreement. Sometimes her reason is right. I submit. And I said, okay, like this, going to Thailand in July, I cancel. I change the flight now. I, 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 pay, I have to pay $200 to change. It's okay. But the same thing, she'd submit to me. We need to submit to each other and listen to each other because we don't know everything. So I, I really appreciate family uh, teaching is lifetime. We keep learning. One last thing I want to say before they pray for you is that Uh, one sentence, I'm going to say this in Thailand, this trip. The family problem is not a family problem. The family or marriage problem is a rebellious problem. Do you get it? Marriage problem is not the marriage problem. It's the rebellious problem. What it means is that we don't obey the word of God. We stubbornly rebel against the word of God. That's why we have marriage problem. But if we submit To the word, obey the word. There is no marriage problem. Marriage problem come from rebellion of the husband and the wife. Both of us, me too. I rebel sometimes. I don't love my wife the way Christ loved her. I rebel. Ephesians chapter 5. I don't love her the way Christ loved her. So I cannot blame her. I cannot blame God. It's me. I need to repent. I need to submit to the word of God and obey the word. 
We all need to die to ourselves. We need to, you know, do our part to to obey the word of God, and then marriage will be improved. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Pastor John, Pastor Becky, brother and sister. One thing I would like to share with all of us: I I was so excited to come to the marriage class this morning. Even though I know all of us, you know, we have our lessons, our pastor teach us before and all that. But the thing that I am so excited and I uh, uh, is that um, Pastor Joe and Becky Cruz, um, they are four generation of at least that I know four generation of godly heritage, godly um, family. You know, from their uh, uh, grandparent uh, Pastor Joe. And Pastor Becky, grandparent, parent, them, and their children, that we see all of them serve the Lord, and all of them love the Lord, and all of them, you know, try their best to walk in the plan of God. And I want to, you know, I, uh, I love all the family in our church, and I want to see all the family strong, happy, and strong and happy in unity, and receive the blessing, and our children will receive the blessing. To the thousand generation, you know, so so I would like to encourage all of us like today, take it by faith, take it by faith because the anointing break yoke. You know, the only thing that can break is the anointing. You know, the yoke in our life, whatever curse, whatever generational curse, whatever con- whatever conflict, whatever things that they, you know that is happening, the anointing can break yoke. And I believe they have the anointing. That's why I was so excited. I encouraged, you know, some of the sisters, you got to come. You know, you have to come because, like, they are so great. You know, they have the anointing. And and today, I want to encourage all of us. Say, dear God, I take it by faith. Everybody say, dear God, we take it by faith. We take the anointing to break the yoke. In our lives, so that we will have good family that honor God. Yeah, so so that is what I am so excited about. It. I mean, you can have your own. You you can have all the methods. Method can help. The anointing help. Amen. We we love you. We appreciate you. We are so happy you are here. You are the gift. That God sent to 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 us, you know. Not only that, you are our minister. You know that come to minister to our church. You know you you really portray yourself as family, as friends. You know as uh, really uh, like a great brother and sisters. You know, and um, and you are also our teachers. You know, and um, I just want to say that we really happy that that you are here. We take you as you know. The anointing is coming. <laughs> awesome. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. It's a very big honor. All right. Well, let's all stand together. Thank you, Lord. I want you to pray with me. We don't have to have music. We love music. Maybe I've got our Becky's essence back there somewhere on something. Play a little. Yes. But if, if you just would like for us to, I'll be right here. And we will just agree with you. Amen. We will just agree with you. Father, I thank you for these precious people. Lord, we thank you for every marriage that's represented here today. 
Lord, whether there's just one of the spouses here because others have to work or whatever the situations are. That, Lord, as Pastor Da said, it's the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of any bondage, any, anything that stands in the way. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> we thank you that this house, this church acknowledges the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. That, Lord, you are our help. We can't do life without you. We don't want to do life without you. And so, Lord, today, every one of us, we yield to you afresh today. The Lord, whatever we have shared uh, that's been spoken by others, Lord, we receive from one another today. We receive from one another today. Why don't you just pray in the Holy Spirit right there this morning as you stand. And if your spouse is standing by you, just grab their hand. Pray over one another right now. If you're standing there by yourself, just lift your hands and receive from the Lord today as well. Father, we thank you. There's no distance in the spirit. Lord, if there's any pride in either partner, either spouse, the Lord, that that would be broken today. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would remove the walls. Anything that stands in the way. That the Holy Spirit would be able to come and do a deep work. Even today. Even today. Whether you're believing for children. Or, or there needs to be a new season in your life, in your marriage. Or you're, you're believing for, for a spouse. Uh, if you just like prayer, just come and stand here at the front. We'll just walk by and pray. Grab your hands and just agree with you. That's what I feel in my heart right now. It's just that there's the prayer of agreement. That we would agree for one another for our marriages. If you'd like for us to pray, just come and meet us here. And we will do that very quickly. Hallelujah. Come, click. We'll just agree. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for total restoration. Lord, for this house. Lord, the moment she, she gets home or she's there with her spouse, Lord, just as she gives him a big hug, he doesn't know it, but she's laying hands on him. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for fresh, the wind of heaven and their home. Hallelujah. The wind of heaven. Lord, for restored relationships. Lord, that's our heart's cry today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Kurabande, Romaste, Kelala Maronde. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Fresh boy. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus. Yes. Every yoke. Robamba, Kosela Mandrende. Thank you, Father, for 